student vibes podcast we've got another great episode for you today uh, we talk about leadership mindset and practice management with dr jacob berger another awesome interview with dr berger uh make sure if you are uh, studying for the nbde part one use the discount code vibes 75 that's v-i-b-e-s 75 for 75 dollars off bnb dental for the NBDE Part 1 Boards Prep. And BNB Dental includes detailed videos, practice exams, flashcards, and textbook material, all available and easy to use on a mobile app. For more information about our sponsor, visit bnbdental.com and check them out on Instagram at bnb underscore dental. So in this episode, we touch on best clinical procedures, leadership in the office, uh, motivating and building up your team, mindset and confidence, and some of the best books that Dr. Berger listens to because he says he doesn't read them. He doesn't have time for that, but he listens to them on Audible. So check out this interview, and we hope you guys enjoy. All right, we have Dr. Berger on again today. Dr. Berger, how we doing? Good, man. Awesome. So, Dr. Berger, today we want to talk a little bit about uh, the clinical side of dentistry, everything you've been working on the past few years, um, and also we'll talk a little bit about practice management and what your plans are for the future. So, um, can you kind of tell us what are some game changers? Right off the bat, let's just get into it. Right off the bat, uh, what are some game changers that elevated your practice elevated your abilities and you know really started you you really started hitting the uh, exponential curve here for sure it wasn't even something clinical the thing that made the biggest difference for us in our practice is not clinical it was not sitting in my office waiting for the next patient to be ready Mm -hmm. it's not waiting for the x-ray to come through it's walking around the hallways shaking hands asking how patients are doing making coffee for patients in the waiting room calling patients the night after their surgery. It's checking Google reviews, seeing what people are saying, and making sure to continue doing those things. Or when someone said something negative about our practice, not taking it personal and defending ourselves. Instead, we did something about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that was our game changer. I think walking around the building as if you own the business is the best game changer mm-hmm. for your practice. Treating it like it's your baby. Maybe even being the first person here. I know that doesn't really translate to how patients feel about the practice, but that translates to how my team knows I feel about the practice. So when I'm the one unlocking the building and I'm the first one in the building and last one to leave, they know that's how committed I am. So when they walk in late, maybe they don't feel bad, but they know how serious I take being on time. That makes your team better, which in turn makes patient interaction better. It makes the practice better, makes culture better. That's a game changer. You can be great at implants. You can be great at surgery and think that one of those things is gonna be a game changer. But if you don't have a good team around you, or if you don't have happy patients that'll say yes to you, then none of those clinical skill sets that you have are going to make a difference if your patients aren't moving forward with that treatment. That's awesome. I mean, again, mindset. That's like the theme here. And you see that with a lot of people. We're just talking about Gary Vaynerchuk. You know, that's all mindset, you know? He's talking leading by example. Every day, man. 
one example of that today happened. I mean, I was walking down the hallway. I saw some paper on the floor. Legit, just a piece of paper. It was toilet paper, paper towel, one of those. I could have walked by it. I could have asked on my radio, hey, can somebody pick up the paper towel that's on the floor? In the hall? I mean, I sound like a jerk by doing that. Yeah. It's my practice, though. It's my patients that are going to see it. So I bent down and picked it up. Mm-hmm. No one saw me. But maybe someone did. And now the team knows, like, I treat it like, like it's my mm-hmm. office. Um, so little things like that and just treating it like it's yours, being humble enough to reach down and grab something uh, and leading by example, for sure. A couple more game changers. I'll throw these out because I think these are like noteworthy tips that someone mm-hmm. could write down. If Perfect. y'all can just do this in your practices, email or text your team members when they call in sick. Most people that I've worked around, when somebody calls in sick, they're like, oh my God, they're sick again. Not, man, we should text them and see how they're doing. I learned that texting and saying, hey, I hope you feel better, works a lot better than are you coming in tomorrow? Right off the bat, that's how you get commitment. Um, Gift cards for team members. They bust their butt, work through lunch, stay late, put on a temp while I'm working in another room that uh, I was no way I was going to be able to help out with. At the end of the day, I walk over to a quick gas station and grab a five, ten, fifteen dollar gift card, and I give it to him, and it just says thanks. I give it to him, I say thanks. You always go above and beyond. They'll always be like, no, no, doc, you don't have to do that. Be like, I know, I don't have to do it. That's why I love doing it for you. Mm-hmm. And uh, so little things like that. I mean, those are just two of many that I hope to share with y'all. But little tips and tricks like that will make a huge difference in a practice. Those are those are game changers. You're dropping bombs. I, on I, I like the thing that you said that it's kind of like the little things. You know, you know, you weren't thinking that someone was watching you pick up that piece of paper. Uh, you weren't doing it while looking over your shoulder. Oh, you guys seeing this? No, it's about setting the tone, setting the example, making sure that everyone feels appreciated and important. Because yes, you are the doctor, and yes, this is your practice. But at the end of the day, this is a group commitment. And even though you're setting the example, you want everyone to follow and you know step in those footsteps that you're that you're leading in yeah man and there's so many settings out there that you guys are going to learn about as you get closer to graduation and some allow the dentist to feel like an employee Mm -hmm. so if you feel like just an employee you probably aren't going to have that true commitment but that's a mindset you can still have that that thought process so if you just make sure that you don't act like an employee you act Mm -hmm. like a business owner every day you will continue to bend down and pick something up Um, one other one I, can't, I keep thinking of them because they happen every day. I try to do my best to do these every day. My assistant was walking down the hallway with two uh, big old black trash bags full of stuff. I just ran over quickly behind her and grabbed both of them. No, Doc, I got it. I got it. I know, but I'm not too good to take out the trash. Mm-hmm. And I run out and just take out the trash. And doing that consistently, little things consistently over a long period of time makes a great practice. Good for you. Yeah. Wow. You know who uh, Chris Cavallini is? No, who's Chris he's Cavallini? In, he's in Tampa. He's a, um, a general dentist. No, no, he's he's uh, he owns what's the name? Of it? It's some like uh, food prep company, right? And he's in the Forbes. Um, what's the thirty under thirty? I don't think it was thirty. It was one of those, one of those lists, right? But like, he's got this. He's got like a podcast. He's got this crazy like just working hardcore all the time. He like what part of his like whole ordeal is he has like exceptional culture, right? So one of his things he does is he cleans out the trash cans, like hand wipes all the trash cans in the building with all of his employees and it's like teaching discipline and all this stuff but it's interesting look him up he's he's getting pretty popular you know i'll have to look it up man yeah that's cool um i mean because that's basically what you're saying you know raising the team morale um and keeping everybody very 
with you uh, and keeping it together as a team. You know? I mean, but you could see that though. Like when we walked in here, you know, we just came in as you know five dental students, and we felt the culture and like the attitude from the employees and everything from the front office staff. We felt that when we walked in, you know, that positive, like the positivity. We came and sat down with you and everything, and you know, we could tell like the work you do actually works like in the office and everything. So this is you know, yeah, your your patients it. feel it big time. You all felt it at the end of the day. There were only like two patients in the building. Exactly. There's moments in the day when there's 22 to 30 patients in the building. At any given time, you can have eight in the waiting room and 10 to 15 in chairs. And all my team is 16 people. It's a lot of people in the building. Mm -hmm. And you still have people giggling, laughing, mm -hmm. talking, asking where you're going this weekend. Even at the front desk, we have some patients I'm like, oh my God, he won't leave. He just keeps talking. <laughs> and uh, But almost always that's a testament of the culture and the practice. So if it's a quiet building... It, to me, a quiet building is like a Chinese restaurant with no cars in the parking lot. Yeah. Like, do you really want to be there? <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, I'm driving to the next place. A little yeah. sketchy. Now, do you credit that to your morning huddle? Because I, I was talking to you earlier before we started recording. You were telling me how important you think that is. And do you think that, like, um, that that aura and that energy that goes throughout the day comes from that? Or? It, it starts then. Yeah. But it's not just from that. I think you have to keep it consistent. Because okay. there have been mornings where I was fired up in the morning. But all it takes is two bad crown deliveries mm -hmm. that had open margins, and you can quickly watch your whole day go to crap. And uh, it, it'll mess with my head. The good thing is, is because we started with positivity and good vibes, and uh, we always do this thing where we share some successes from the day before, that'll carry you only so far. Mm -hmm. Somebody's going to crash and burn. Sometimes it's the dentist as the leader, but then you have a team member who says, Doc, no bad vibes. You always preach that. Look at you walking around with your head down. Like, you know what? You're right. Let me go fix this. And uh, so it starts with that, but it's definitely a full day effort. It's actually somewhat exhausting to have a great culture and a practice because it doesn't just come from one little 20 minute huddle. But um, we do utilize the huddle. And I know if we eliminate the huddle, it would have a detrimental effect on the practice. Um, our huddle is something that we will consistently do every single day without fail from 640 to 7 every morning. And we go over successes from the day before. We read some reviews out loud. I did this cool thing where if a review had your name in it as a team member, we would give you a $10 gift certificate. Wow. And uh, so they would always be like, don't forget to put my name in the review. <laughs> uh, but then we would talk about the day, who our new patients were. And then we would do a go team, you know, or hey, guys, y'all have a good rest of the day. Or let's make today different. And in those moments, you can make the day easily take somebody who was tired moping around in those first five minutes of the day and now they're awake they're like let's do this we're here for the people we're here for patients and we're here to earn a paycheck let's make it happen i think the greatest thing about that is i know you're a guy that loves sports and i think the big thing about that morning huddle and the way you run your practice is that you have no bench players everyone's a starter maybe they have a different role maybe you got a couple guards you got the you know you got you got your different roles but everyone has a role. Everyone's a starter. Nobody's a bench player. Nobody's cleaning the bench. Nobody's getting the water. Everyone has a role, and they're equally important. So I think that's huge, especially everyone's mentality going into every single day. I'm here to make an impact. Yep, that's the goal of it, and it's work. We're not going away with it. Uh, and for sure, one thing on that note, if anybody implements huddles at any point in your career, don't show up late to them. Mm -hmm. It is the first chance for everybody to openly see that you don't care.
Right. When you walk into the huddle late, uh, as the dentist for sure, it is not going to be good for the practice. It just shows your team that you don't care about promptness. So your patients come back late for their appointments because they know you don't really care about time. They show up late because they know you don't really care about time. So little tangent I went on, but I'm just uh, I'm, I'm a big uh, stickler when it comes to being on time for that reason. Awesome. Okay, so we talked a little bit about uh, practice culture. So let's get into the clinical stuff. So what are some procedures that you love doing? We saw you uh, talk at uh, the District 5 as the conference. Awesome presentation, by the way. Um, so what, what are some things that you really enjoy doing? Man, one thing I don't enjoy doing is class twos. Yeah. For sure. I'm just going to throw that out there. If there was one dental procedure I could give to another uh, specialty, it would be class twos. There should yeah. be like a class two specialty. Yeah. I can't stand MODO, MODO on my schedule. Uh, that's the one thing I'll remove from the list. Everything I love, though, is making patients happy and giving them what they want, which is like the cliche answer. But let's dig into the fun stuff. I love implants. It's freaking fun. It's stressful as hell. But that's why I love doing it. Giving a person a tooth back and doing a big flap and checking the width and the length and the angle of the bone and dropping an implant into it, it's fun. It's a good time. Mm -hmm. uh, when they fail, it will jack your day up. But thankfully, that doesn't happen too often. Veneers are fun, stressful, like crazy. Trying to do a minimally invasive prep with this tiny little veneer. And you put Monobond Plus on it and some cement. And you try to get it onto a tooth and hope the patient doesn't cough. And then you drop it down. You know, there's so many stressful things about that. But another reason why I love it. We recently started doing IV sedation. That came from uh, a desire to help patients that we were constantly sending to the surgeon to do wisdom teeth. Wisdom teeth are crazy easy to do if you like surgery. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the, the ones that you can pop out, they're cool, they're fun. But for those, you don't really need to sedate your patients unless you just want to do it for the heck of it, which I don't think is smart or wise. But I love surgery, so I enjoy doing wisdom teeth extractions. But I was tired of patients saying, I'm going to be awake for this. I'm like, yeah, if we do it here, you have to be awake for it. But if I send you to the oral surgeon, he can put you to sleep. Dang, all right, well, let me get his information or her information. So we started offering IV sedation recently. Uh, that was about a year ago. And I think year to date, we've done about 60 cases. And they, by far, are the biggest clinical game changer for a practice that we've made here. I know I mentioned game changer earlier was culture or team management or the way you are with your team. But clinically, sedation is a game changer. Uh, we dropped three implants, did three crowns, and one root canal the other day on a guy who was freaking out at the thought of doing dental work. He was snoring, singing to the song, the music, and he was out cold. We put in a mouth block, and all you hear is boop, boop, boop. No, Stress-free. You just do your work. You don't have to keep saying, did you feel that? Did you feel that? Are you doing okay? You're going to hear a little noise here. That gets stressful and exhausting. So that's a procedure I enjoy doing. Uh, I hate fishing, and for that reason, I hate root canals. Uh, that's what I, I <laughs> legit feel like. I am so bored during root canals, but I've gotten really good at root canals. Yeah. So there's this certain sense of accomplishment, like when I hated organic chemistry, but I mastered it good enough to do well on the DAT. There was a sense of I accomplished something that I hated, and it beat me, but I didn't let it win in the end. That's how I feel about root canals. So we do probably 60 to 70 root canals a year, which translates on paper to... Uh, to at least one a week or, mm -hmm. or a little bit more than one a week. Molars, uh, second molars, um, all day. We don't mind at all. The team knows I don't mind them now as much as I used to. I still don't love them. I still would love to give them away. But most of the time, the patient doesn't come back to get the crown. 
So if you can do a root canal crown and build up on that day, not only will you be a productive, profitable dentist that does well for your patients, um, you just will not watch people constantly walk out of your building and never come back. What are some other things we do? Invisalign's fun, but usually Invisalign is fun because of where you're taking them. A lot of times we do them pre-prosthetic. So if I have a patient who wants to get an implant and six or seven or eight veneers, their teeth are in a bad position for it. I know I'm gonna finish this case and their lower incisors are gonna knock all their porcelain off. Mm -hmm. So why don't we straighten their teeth first, drop two implants and then do their veneers. So Invisalign is cool and it's neat and it's fun because of what you can do with it. Just to take the spoiled brat with a crooked number eight and make it straight, it's not that exciting. It makes you some money, but it's kind of boring. You just see them every eight weeks. You know, yeah, it looks good. Have a good day, bud. That's kind of boring, but it makes money. So for that reason, Invisalign is a cool procedure to offer. And just straight up extractions. And for those that don't like extractions, I mean, you'll probably be turned off by that, but I, I enjoy doing extractions. Mm -hmm. There's something fun about taking a tooth out. And when you feel that little disengagement from the PDL fibers and you even hear that noise, where it's like, and you're like, oh yeah, got it. Um, so we do a lot of full mouth extraction cases and do immediate dentures for patients. And then we let them heal and we place implants for them to do locators. But uh, just today we took out six teeth on the lower right for a guy. All of them were bombed out, broken at the gum line. Those are fun. Mm -hmm. uh, only tip on that one is put a throat pack. You don't think oh, a yeah. you don't think a root tip will pop out and land in the back of their throat until a root tip pops out and lands on the back of their throat. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, so throat pack, throat pack, throat pack. Okay. So um, you said IV sedation. So do you have like a nurse anesthetist in here or something? Somebody watching or in the state of Florida, uh, if you have the right training, you don't have to have one, but you do have to have a monitor and an assistant in the right. room. So because I took an IV sedation course that is accredited, it was long, it was in New Jersey, 12 days long, and long days, I have my certification here to do conscious sedation. So I put the IV in, or in my case, I've trained all my assistants and sent them to courses, so they're all trained to the same level of a hospital nurse where they can place an IV. Mm -hmm. I still have to push the meds, but I monitor while I'm working on the patient. So if I'm doing an extraction, I get my patient sedated by having my assistant go over all of the um, all of the sedation consultation stuff, medical history, they place the IV for me. Once the patient's somewhat relaxed with nitrous, then I go ahead and start the meds. Once I start giving them the meds, they start almost snoring. I mean, we start to get them out enough to where they can open and close, but to where they won't feel pain and they can tolerate the procedure. And then it's just myself, my dental assistant, and a monitor. Now my other monitor is a dental assistant too, so they can swap back and forth, they just cannot leave the room. So we always have on sedation days, we have three assistants, one monitor, one assistant, and one runner. Hey, we forgot this. Hey, can you go get the PTFE sutures? I don't want one of my people leaving. We also block out my schedule because I can't see exams during that time. I can't just step out and go do a quick crown delivery. I have to be in that room because that patient's sedated. Uh, so you can get a nurse anesthetist. So for those that are interested at some point, if you don't want to go through the training, all of you can hire one to come in after your practice is permitted to do do so and you can have somebody sedate your patient while you work on them definitely something i would suggest because there's too many people who would say i want the root canal i need the root canal but i'm so nervous to do it there are not many endodontists out there that do sedation you could be that guy or gal that does it right because i mean there's a lot of people that just say you know it takes the stress off of them 
having a nurse anesthetist in there and everything. So it's stressful. I'm yeah. not gonna lie, but so is an implant. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, you know, but blood pressure drops low enough. I mean, I had a lady yesterday who was at like 90 over 42, and it started at like 170 over 110. Mm-hmm. This Jeez, is low that's now. Crazy. Huh? And so I, I realized I was get, I, I needed to stop giving her meds, and I needed to agitate her a little bit, but. Uh, you'll clench up. I mean, you definitely yeah. clench up in that moment. You have to start thinking of your training. How do I get my reversal meds? How do it's it's stressful, and right. um, but you get paid well for it, and that's not enough of a motivator to do it by any means. But you do have to be fairly compensated for the amount of stress and the amount of monitoring and knowledge you have to have for it. So it's for a small select few people, but for those that do it, it's a game changer. Okay. So what are you? Uh what are you setting your sights on? Like, what are you working towards? Are you working towards doing all full mouth extractions? Like, where do you see in your future what you want to do clinically? Right now, I'm in a good spot. I mean, there's really, outside of the fact that there are still procedures that we don't offer here, I like what we do. I'm in the zone where we're having fun, we're making money, patients are happy, and uh, every day I feel like I'm getting better. Where I'm headed is just to continue to master these skills. Uh, I think that's probably the best way for anybody to be. But when you want to start adding more and adding more and I'm going to open up a second office and then I'm going to own a third office and uh, I don't want to start falling away and getting bad at something. So mm-hmm. I want to make sure I don't keep adding something. My partner does Botox and fillers, which is cool. It's a it's a business opportunity. My team's always asking me, can you get into Botox and filler? It's not my thing, but I also I know I have to know so much about sedation and root canals and extractions and implant. Like I don't want to keep adding stuff, so I'm not going to get into TMJ right now. I'm not going to get into sleep apnea right now. I'm not going to get into Botox and fillers right now. So where I see the practice in five years or me in five years, and I know you didn't give that timeline, but if I when I set my sights on something, I think five years is a good timeline. Mm-hmm probably just being really, really good and efficient at the stuff I'm doing now. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's a great answer. Absolutely. Because um, also, you know, those main clinical procedures, that's your practice builders. I mean, you can get back to it just doing crown and bridge, you know, that's the... Uh, the bread and butter dentistry. Yeah, bread It really and is. And I, and I didn't realize what bread and butter really meant, but everybody walks in needing at least one crown, it seems like. Like, everybody has a jacked up amalgam that looks like the tooth is going to crack. And if you get so caught up into the Botox and the fillers and the sleep apnea, you might miss the fact that this dude's tooth could crack tomorrow and you had a chance to do something about it. Uh, I think on paper at the end of each year, Dentrix, that's the program we use, it prints out your procedure log or procedure sheet so you can see how many procedures you did. I think we did um, close to 600 crowns last year, myself. Mm -hmm. My partner did about 500. That's 1,100 people who have a stronger tooth now mm-hmm. if you get away from that and you get so caught up in like one little niche there's people who need your services that you didn't offer a crown because you're so hyper focused on botox and fillers that's not my partner i'm not using her as a bad example but i don't want to get too far ahead of myself and forget about that bread and butter forget about the fact that that 80 year old lady she's still got 20 more years to live but her tooth's about to break and i could have crowned it Right, right. And you're able to admit your limitations to yourself. You know how much you can handle. You know how much of an expert that you can be. And obviously, five, ten years down the road, your goals are going to change. But the fact that you're able to say, listen, Botox might be a great business investment, but right now let me just focus on my stuff that I know works and that I'm good at and I enjoy, that's, that's you know, very impressive. It's power to you. I appreciate it, man. And you talked about, um, you know, what a great investment that you do with your IFV sedation for your career in dentistry. But what would you say is the best investment that you made for yourself just in your life in general, outside of dentistry? Probably building myself. 
uh, every day with, I don't like books. I hate reading. I'll be honest. <laughs> like I have Preach. probably read one book in my whole life and it was probably in fourth grade. Uh, but I don't mind audiobooks. So I've finished a lot of books. Mm-hmm. Just haven't read one. Uh, audiobooks, YouTube videos, constantly trying to build myself as a person and as a leader. It's helped me in every area of my life. I'm a better negotiator. I'm a better friend. I'm a better spouse. I'm a better brother, uh, better athlete or, you know, because I built myself up, like by reading those or not reading, but listening to leadership books, that is a game changer. And I know that may make me seem like, oh, this guy's just hyper-focused on work, just work ethic, work ethic, work ethic, work ethic. Uh, But that is because you have better negotiation skills, you're going to have a nicer car or you're going to get a better deal on your house. And so that's probably the best thing I've done for myself. It hasn't been anything in the practice. Staying in shape, that helps too probably one of the best things I've done for myself. It's really nice to be healthy. Uh, I had a doctor here that was working with us because we got really busy and we needed a third doctor. She was sick like every other day. It was annoying, I'm not gonna lie. I would fill her schedule up and then have to see her patients while seeing mine. She didn't take care of herself health-wise. She, every day she was like, I was up late, had some wine, watching TV, Netflix binging, and then I'd get a text in the morning, I got a headache, I'm not gonna be there. And part of the, uh, sometimes I wonder, was she not taking care of herself? Um, never went to the gym or worked out. I don't think you have to go to the gym or work out. It could be running, biking, yoga. She did none of that. So I hope, you know, power to her to have a long career. But how long is your career going to be if you don't take care of your health? Mm-hmm. Right. So, right. Longevity. It's nice being yeah. healthy. Facts. Well, well balanced. So um, you mentioned no books, but audiobooks. So what, uh, what are you listening to right now? Man, I downloaded Audible a while back, and I keep getting like halfway through a book, and then my ADD kicks in, and I start up another book. Yeah. I do the same thing. I just order books, read one is, chapter, and then this. Man, it's bad. Uh, there's only one on here that I think is hilarious every time someone, if I take a screenshot of my list of books and send it to y'all, y'all are more than welcome to read them. But there's one on here that'll make y'all uh, judge me hard. It, it says, How to Win at Roulette. I really, I was like, I'm tired of life. I just want to go be a gambler. So I would, put it all on black. I just, yeah. man, I, I wanted to get good at gambling so I didn't have to work anymore. Uh, but <laughs> if I get into the ones that really made a difference, there's this one called What Everybody Is Saying. And it's a book about reading body language mm-hmm. and knowing if people are comfortable uh, reading if they're lying to you or, I mean, as silly as it sounds, when you see a patient with their legs crossed or their arms crossed mm-hmm. or they look like their feet, or pointing to the door, mm-hmm. you can read into that. But if you don't understand the science behind it, uh, you'll you'll be caught off guard when they they're ready to go. But you keep trying to have a conversation. So I would suggest that book. That's a good one by Joe Navarro. Mm-hmm. A couple other ones: The Energy Bus. I finished that last year. The Five Dysfunctions of a Team is one that the DSO uh, that I, I partnered with they teach a lot about and teach from. It's called The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. That one's real cool on team building and culture. The new one-minute manager. I had a patient. He owned a bunch of businesses. He's probably the only billionaire I think I've met outside of Dr. Workman. He's the owner of Heartland Dental. Mm -hmm. I got a chance to meet Dr. Workman. But I had a patient in my chair. He was a billionaire. And he said he started three of his businesses after reading the new one-minute manager. And they all blew up, he thinks, because of the book. Right. So I I read the book for that reason. It hasn't worked yet. but (laughs) It's weird. It's like one chapter is like one sentence. You remember that? The new one minute. Man. I haven't finished yeah. the whole thing. I'm only halfway through it. Or when I click it, it says that I'm halfway through it. Uh, there's a book called The Power of Habit. There's one called How Google Works. The Elon Musk Story. 
mastery. There's uh, y'all have heard of John Maxwell. Yeah. Five levels of leadership. I picked up that one after LeBron James said it was a good book, and I'm a LeBron James fan. He got me on that one. Preach. <laughs> and uh, don't don't get him started. Uh, with LeBron James. Best player in the world, right there. Um, yes, sir. So these are just some of the books that I've finished and and continue to share with other people. I, I know for sure they all make a difference, but I don't remember them all by yeah. heart. Like they just it's kind of back to your question about what have I done for me that's made a big difference outside of work. This is just some good stuff. And uh, I'm sure there's hundreds of more out there, but right. not enough time in the day. Anything like uh, podcasts? Um, you, well, how about for YouTube? YouTube, I mean, I follow some pages, but I'll be honest. I'm busy in life right now. Yeah. So workouts, work, family life, two kids. There's not much time. And when you're on your phone constantly, you have to be mindful of what your kids are seeing. Mm-hmm. So when I'm at home, I try not to be on my phone. Right. And because there's so little time in a day, I'm not on my phone as much as I used to be. So I haven't been on YouTube or on podcasts as much as I, I normally would be. But I mean, we all got bathroom time. So yeah. <laughs> uh, you sit on the toilet for five minutes and watch a quick YouTube video. Mm-hmm. And then you realize your legs are going numb. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I got <laughs> to get up. <laughs> Uh, so I, I still watch some like Gary Vaynerchuk. I've watched yeah. Tony Robbins, but then I just watch stuff that's like dude perfect or yeah, yeah. car races. Right. I, I'm still just a dude trying yeah. to have a good time and be balanced as well. Right. Of course, in like Tony Robbins, do you you know find yourself feeling that you know the use of per- persuasion and you know all those kind of tactics have kind of been something that you emulate in your practice or you know things that help push you to that next level of success? I don't know that I've used any of his specific tricks or tips or anything i think i just watch them i get fired up for like a week and i'm a better leader for a week and then i gotta find my new fuel and my new fuel the next week might be gary vaynerchuk or my next week might be the fuel of a vacation's coming like there's always like a new fuel right and uh so there's nothing that tony robbins maybe has done that's changed the game for me or been difference uh maker for me but i like the guy's positivity i can go on netflix and click one of them and i'm fired up for a while and i i actually act different the next day after watching one uh, i haven't been to one of his like conferences though or anything like that but i'm gonna i added it to my list of things to do oh, well, absolutely um you mentioned business and leadership all these podcasts that you listen to is there anything you do to stay updated within like the clinical field of dentistry i do and i would share that if you went in my office right now i have a cabinet full of jada articles or magazines dental economics magazines Dental Town magazines, just to name a few, like pot, like piles of them in there. Yeah. Whenever I have a big cancellation, <laughs> our whole our, our dude, countertop in our house. I got so full. many as a dental student, and I was yeah. like, one day I'm gonna read these when I don't have to learn. Like, and you just get to learn because you want to. And uh, when I have a big cancellation, like three hour sedation, patient says I'm sick, I can't come in. What do I do with those three hours? I'll tell my team to call some patients, maybe clean up, do some spring cleaning, and then I'll go grab two and try to finish two real quick. And I'll learn about dental materials, different resins that are out there, um, you know, the difference between self-edge versus total edge versus selective edge. So that's my opportunity to get better clinically. Mm-hmm. And then the other time and place I do it and the how I do it is plane rides. Uh, I've been flying a lot doing presentations and doing different, oppor- you know, different dental opportunities with conferences. And when you're in an airplane for three or, or, or four hours, and the only options you have is you know a drink and talking to the, the person next to you, I'll open up a, an article, a magazine, and read something. And uh, that's probably my best way of learning dental stuff that I can implement in the practice 
that next day. Right. So that that's my go-to place. And the DSO that I, I work with, there is an all-doctor email where all of the doctors that are affiliated with this particular DSO, we get the opportunity to use this email uh, networking tool to ask questions, clinical questions. What would y'all do with this? Or have y'all heard of this new medicine? Have y'all tried this new click to scripts? Or have you tried this new cement? That's a good place too, because you're listening to your colleagues saying, don't do this, don't do that. Man, the other day, I tried to do a chairside pickup of a overdenture. Chairside pickup, overdenture, and I missed one step, probably the most important step there is. I forgot to put Vaseline and a rubber washer underneath the locators, oh, and I locked my denture in. Oh, completely God. stuck. I had no idea what to freaking do. Like, I was sweating. Thankfully, as a nice guy, and I'm good with people skills, but it still doesn't change the fact that there's only one way to get it off. So I went on that, and I asked 1,500 dentists, what do I do in this situation? And I got, like, 10 different, 15 different responses, and some of them were just, I've been there before. I've done this before. Man, this happened to me the other day. And uh, so that was cool to see that I'm not the only one dealing with these clinical situations. So that's another place for people plug into something, dental town mm -hmm. or someplace, hopefully mm -hmm. with little to no judgment, because I, I do think those places can be like a bash ses uh, session. But, yeah. Is this group nationwide or is it a regional thing? Uh, I don't know what states they are in and what states they're not in, but mm -hmm. I, I know that all of the practices that are with this DSO all have access to this database. Mm -hmm. And it's just basically a forum to pick each other's brains. Right. Uh, but I, I nerd out on anything I can dental related because I don't want to be just a great leader and motivational guy. Like, I don't want to be mm -hmm. known as that, but be like, but don't get a crown by him. <laughs> like, my team knows I know my stuff when yeah. it comes to materials. We're like, Doc, are we doing resin or resin modified glass ionomer? Not only do I know which one I'm using, but I know why I'm using it and which is the best one out on the market because I do nerd out on that. we got to be good at our craft. can't just be all tough. Right. I'm still on the cliffhanger, though. So you cut off the overdenture, or what did you do? <laughs> Dude, man, you have to cut that thing out of their mouth with a burr. from Like, you legit have to drill out the denture from Damn, their mouth yeah. because oh, it man. is glued on to their metal overdenture right. or their, their locators. Right. So I had to take a burr, a, a crown prepping burr, and cut a perfect circle over and over and over until I could see the locator mm -hmm. without hitting their gums and destroying their gums. You can't numb them because the overdenture is in the way. Mm -hmm. So you can't just go to town. Imagine oh, your burr hits man, their gums. Man. And I had five uh, implants. So I had to do it around five implants. Uh, it took a solid hour and a half, and then you got denture dust all over the place. Your patient's asking if we're almost done. Then you try to take it out, and it's still not loose enough, so you got to do more. Try to take it out, still not loose enough. You got to do more. I never want to do that again. Right. Yeah. You so, probably will right. only make that mistake once. Right. So learning For experience, sure. yeah. you know? I learned a ton from that. Yeah. My next one, I picked up one housing at a time and prayed after each one <laughs> and read the instructions like 15 times, almost got it tatted on my back. I, I, I never want to do that again. But it's, it's, you mentioned before about, you know, you really like to know your stuff. And you talked about your, your resin modified glass ionomer and you know why you're using that material. And, you know, we as dental students, we hear all the time just from, you know, our clinicians and our preceptors. But then we also hear from like influential podcasts that we listen to. When you are that expert in the field, you can then in any conversation with your patients, that then shifts to you and you're trusted. They gain your trust. They know that you are going to give them that highest level of clinical service. And so how, like, when you go about your practice, I know that's got to make you feel good about yourself that you know you're going to give them an effective treatment and that for sure is going to make your patients feel good. So do you feel that that kind of boosts your, your practice and, you know, your overall trust, your patient trust? I think it boosts it 
even there's a measurable way to, to see if it boosts it. It's case acceptance. Y'all will learn a lot more about case acceptance mm -hmm. when your dental work actually translates to a paycheck. You start learning a lot more about case acceptance. Right now, if your patient in a dental school setting doesn't move forward, you get a free morning. My patient doesn't move <laughs> forward, I don't get paid. So case acceptance is how you measure that, but it is higher when you know your stuff because your assistants know you know your stuff and they're your biggest advertisers. When they're in the room talking to the patient about crowns, they're like, this dude is awesome. Like he knows his stuff and they're bragging on me before I even walk in the room. But they also take pride in my work and they know I take pride in my work. And they also know that I'm not just gonna take whatever they hand me. Like if I'm about to do an extraction and they know I like to use PTFE sutures with a PTFE membrane over my cortical consalis bone graft, they know that. They also know why, because I invested in them and taught them. So when they come and hand me this chromic gut, and I'm like, you know the chromic gut's gonna dissolve in seven days and I need the PTFE suture to last 21 days, maybe even 28 days. They're like, you're right doc, I'm sorry, let me go grab that for you. But I'm also empowering them, I'm teaching them. They're seeing the value in what I do. But my patient just heard all that. And they're like, man, I'm glad I got a dentist that knows this stuff. What if I would've said, right, whatever you give me works. I don't want a dentist that just says, give me whatever, it, it'll work. Uh, so even Sorry. down to the burrs that you use to polish your crowns. Like when you're adjusting one, and my assistant the other day, she's like, can I get you the zircona, zirconia polishing burr? I know it's an Emax doc, but they're all in the autoclave. My patient just heard that. So I have to debate, how do I answer this? So I said, let's wait for the autoclave to be done so I can use the right one. Done. I know my stuff though, and I knew that that's not a good idea, and I was going to roughen up that Emax. Yeah. So if you know your stuff and it translates into, um, I think, confidence from your patients, but also from your team members. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Now, you're, you're very up to date on you know, dental materials and all your dental equipment and stuff. How do you determine what you want to implement in your office, you know, equipment wise? Equipment wise, we definitely have to look at something called ROI, which I only um, say it like that because some people don't know that ROI is a measurable thing mm -hmm. that you can do. But that return on investment of will this sedation be worth it over the long period of time? Will me spending $10,000 on a course, $4,000 in travel, food, hotel, and a missed opportunity of two weeks worth of patients that I could have been seeing during that time, will it make me enough money to be worth it? That's how we deal with anything that we're gonna take on, even if it's um, a veneer case or a new treatment protocol. Zoom whitening the other day, my practice manager's like, Doc, are you okay with moving from opalescence zoom, um, boost whitening to zoom whitening. And I was like, what's the ROI on both of them based off of the reps and your own experiences? So we decide things based off of, will the cost be worth it? And there's some things you can't measure ROI on. Like yeah. I can't measure the ROI on taking out the trash for my team, yeah. but yeah. I know it's positive. Yeah. Um, but that's usually what we do. I mean, there, if you all have ever heard of a show called The Profit, he talks a lot about ROI and um, people process and, and um, one other one. People, process, there's one more. Do y'all remember what it is? Have y'all ever People seen it? People, process, product. Product, product. product. yeah. <laughs> so uh, I think about, is the product going to be good? Do I have the right people in place to do it? And is the process going to be good enough to make it happen? So uh, do we have a game plan for efficient whitening? Do we have the product, Zoom, that patients know about? And do we have a team that can sell it and make it happen? Mm -hmm. Just real quick, Dr. Berger, would you mind just like going into uh, like your ROI calculations? Like how do you like plan that out? Like if you're going to say I got $10,000 for this course, 4000 for the hotel and for the food and everything. Like how do you figure out like the, the return of your investment over and how long of a span do you, do you um, estimate? Like is there any kind of problem or um, calculation you follow or is it just kind of? I would say pen, 
paper, coffee, and, and like a cheeseburger, uh-huh. and just sit down at a table <laughs> and just draw it out. Okay. And, yeah. and like legit writing down, okay, it's going to cost 10 grand plus this plus this. Okay, that's $30,000. Uh-huh. How many $1,000 sedations do I have to do okay. over a year period of time right. to pay for that? Okay. And you do the math and you say, okay, that was just to pay for the sedation, but they also got wisdom teeth pulled. That's an extra thousand. Mm-hmm. So it's two grand per procedure. How many $2,000 procedures would I have to do to pay for that? Gotcha. And if it's going to take like five years to pay for it, now I have to debate is this worth it mm-hmm. is the scanner worth it mm-hmm. is the mill worth it that's how you have to do it and it's look you really just have to pen paper and some coffee yeah. and just draw it out I don't know if there's like an RI calculator out there I'm uh-huh. sure there is but I've heard people getting so nerded out on this where they're like the cost of one micro brush two cotton rolls and etch and bond and my composite carpool is going to cost four dollars and fifty cents. <laughs> it takes this much chair time, and the light bill was, you know, like that's a little much. Yeah, it's yeah. excessive. Yeah, yeah. But we still got to do dentistry, and I also know that sometimes you will never be able to measure the ROI. Okay. On, will this elevator make me money? Mm-hmm. Elevator costs ten bucks, and I can pull a lot of teeth with one elevator. Mm-hmm. Right. So some things have a crazy exuberant ROI, and some have a small one. Um, the fun ROIs, though, are the ones that make you happy. Yeah, absolutely. I'd say as a final thought, because we kind of went down this business side, the big thing is we're in the healthcare field. We're all you know, hoping to one day be in your shoes. But the big thing is we're still business people at the end of the day. So how do you, as a clinician, but also as a businessman, go from that, okay, I need this procedure, but maybe I don't have the funds. Um, I need this and you know, maybe I want to put it off towards a later date. How do then you become that businessman that presents the clinical side to then bringing that into, okay, well, it's a business financial investment in my future to make this clinical decision that I need to make. It's hard. And the way I did it my first year is different than the way I do it now, which will probably be different than how I do it in 10 years. But I think it's just being conscious of the fact that you do have to wear all those hats. You have to wear the hat of the clinician. You have to wear the hat of the business person. You have to wear the hat as the leader all of the time. And that's all you can do. Like there's not like a tip or a trick or a book or a game plan. You just have to treat each one like I have to be wearing this hat and really good at it. I have to wear this second hat and be really good at it. And if you just figure it out, that's usually where you're gonna see the best successes come from. So that's the only advice I have for that person or even for myself. Like the, in 10 years, I hope to be looking back saying he did the best he could have done at the three year mark, but I'm doing better now. And I'll just keep repeating that process over and over. Nice. Awesome. That's awesome. Okay, so for our final lightning round, short short answers. We're just going to go through some topics and just tell me the first thing that comes to mind. Okay, so first of all, we talked about case acceptance earlier. What is one thing that you think really elevated your case acceptance? My beard. Your beard. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Love it. No, yeah. seriously. Yeah. Beard. Beard yeah. game strong. Seven, seven gray hairs. I went over all the 60-plus women. <laughs> there it is love it alright uh, number two uh, best CE oh for sure uh, anyone that is in Miami or Vegas <laughs> there you go perfect you're, you're killing these um, we should have no. did this for an hour straight <laughs> <laughs> number three uh, best business Bi- anything that elevated your business business skills anything that elevated my business skills watching the profit as silly as that sounds that show really made a difference for the okay. business and uh, is there anything else? The nah. beard. <laughs> the beard, yeah. yeah. Uh, paying attention to your finances, uh, knowing, you know, understanding money, understanding how bills come out and things go in. If you don't know what a P&L statement is, then your practice is going to 
fail and you'll keep saying as an excuse, I'm just a clinician, I'm just a clinician. That, so you can't learn what a PNL statement is? Like, go, go figure it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, awesome. Um, number four, marketing. Something that elevated your marketing. Uh, word of mouth. I, I don't think marketing is necessary. We do $1,000 a month in marketing. Uh-huh. I didn't market one time in eight years as a barber, and we killed it. Like I was the busiest barber in town. That's awesome. Every day, people always knocking on the door. And that's how it is here. We can't get all the patients in, and we spend a grand on marketing. That's not much. In, right. in, in dental world, some people spend 18 grand a month right. marketing. Wow. So okay. word of mouth, call patients. Yeah, because it's supposed to be like 2 to 4% of your overhead, like, Think mine's one percent right yeah, now. Yeah. If you a free tip for everybody that will change your practice, call your patients the night before you meet them and introduce yourself to them. I do that every night. It takes up five minutes of my life, and my case acceptance is up. But it's a business trick. Mm-hmm. Say hi, my name is. Nice to meet you. Just wanted to see if you had any questions or concerns. Mm-hmm. Have a good night, and I'll see you tomorrow. Okay, love it. Thank love you. It. Wow. All I right. Just written it down. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, we got it recorded. Okay, number five. What's your contact information? Ooh, let's do my dental mail uh, email. So it's J Berger, J B E R G E R at mydentalmail.com. Or you can hit me up on Instagram. I read those messages quite often. So Doc B, D O C B underscore smiles. And just remind me that it was from this podcast that you heard about me or through you guys. That way I know where it's coming from. Love it. All right, Dr. Berger, crushed it. We really appreciate you coming in. Yeah, it was a blast. Or, or us coming into your office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't mind, man. Y'all are always, <laughs> y'all are always welcome here. Yeah. It was fun. Awesome. Thanks a lot. All right, guys. In the words of the late Freddie Mercury, another one bites the dust. This was our part two interview with Dr. Jacob Berger for how to succeed clinically with all of his best clinical procedures as well as how to succeed with your leadership skills in the office. Please, guys, anyone studying for boards, use our discount code VIBES75. That is V-I-B-E-S-7-5 for $75 off B&B Dental NBDE Boards Prep. B&B Dental includes detailed videos, practice exams, flashcards, and textbook material, all available and easy to use on a mobile app. For more information about our sponsor, visit bnbdental.com and check them out on Instagram at bnbdental. Also, never forget to give us a follow on Instagram at dental.student.vibes. Always rate the podcast, leave us some comments, whatever it is you guys post. We always read. We love to get better. We love to provide the best content for all of you. So, until next time, everyone vibes.